(laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we got our intro. Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Come and see Bitter and listen to us. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And laughing in the background with us as always is super producer Ian Stimson. We've got to stop doing these Alan Partridge and Office references. <laughs> I feel for Oscar. It's not fair. It's not fair. How's everybody doing this week? Uh, not good. I'm rough. Really rough. Wow, what, what happened? Well, back on my old ironing board, coming back from holiday. It's not a good start. Mm. Not enough room. We've got back home. The, do- the dog's not well. She's been having anti-nausea injections, uh, antibiotics, all sorts. My son's not well. And... Uh, in case we've got any new listeners who are under any impression that I'm not a complete dickhead, I've started doing meal replacements with uh, that Huel stuff. Have you seen that? No, I have not. Is that the same as um, Soylent? Yeah, sort of. So it's like a sort of liquid, like complete nutritional food yeah, replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same I mean, thing, I, same idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a layman's description because I know you're not a scientist, but apparently if you just put liquid in, you only get liquid out. <laughs> I am not in a good way. You're actually not the only person on the pod who's done something as stupid as that. Oh, uh, really? and, yeah. How did you know? What have I done? <laughs> Chuck's immediately assumed it's him. <laughs> Fantastic. Always good when it's not me. Um, there's a thing called Soylent, which is the same thing. It's like this awful powder. Um, some weird engineer guy at Caltech was like, I don't want to have to eat anymore and leave my laboratory <laughs> and talk to people. <laughs> so he invented this paste powder thing that you turn into a, a shake and yeah. it has all the nutrition you need yep um and i tried in january just for shits and giggles shits the, being the more the operative word. Word. <laughs> yeah. yeah the giggles were coming from everyone else yeah, yeah. Uh, to subsist on it for a whole month i made it about two weeks and i was just getting like really sick and i was like you did you did two weeks with only that yeah no food no solid wow food. see i am i haven't been able to do that like every other meal, essentially, I've been replacing, and yeah, I'm in a bad way. Yeah, I just did it to see if I could, um, and I could not. Like, I don't, there's people who like have done it for a whole year too, which is fucking insane. You always get weird diets like that. There was a girl that I mean, I didn't work with her, but she worked at like my old place of work, who got in a newspaper because she went on the baby food diet. Oh, she'd just eat like tubs of baby food and have like three or four of those a day, and she lost a shitload of weight. Is that going to be you in a few weeks? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I bloody I can't wait to eat baby f- pudding, pudding baby food. And there's this new thing now called like Ella's Kitchen or something like that. They're like these fancy, like little pouches that are just pureed like fruit and veg. It's great. Yeah, that just sounds delicious. <laughs> they are. It's like pu- pureed bananas and apples, just like yum yum. In my you're face. already eating them just in anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> Your girlfriend's going to be like, the baby seems hungry, and you're just going to be ever-expanding waistline. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Nothing yeah. to do with that. Not a clue. Uh, right. So, uh, episode 13. So, this week, uh, we will be going through some of the results from last week. We're going to try not to focus too much on just the top six teams. 
um, get off the Mourinho talk and the Man City Liverpool talk. So we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive on some mid-table teams, uh, some strikers who might be having interesting seasons so far, a bit on the upcoming international break, and then, you know, the usual segments at the end. How's that sound to you, boys? Yep, that's yeah, that's Excellent. So let's start off, as usual, with the breaking, breaking, breaking news. Oh. <laughs> First story. Jose Mourinho reaches an agreement with the Spanish government for a tax evasion prison sentence that he is going to have suspended, but he pleaded guilty for $3.3 million in undeclared revenue when he was Real Madrid manager. Does Jose Mourinho deserve to go to jail, <laughs> Chuck? I mean, it's it's the weird thing with Spain, isn't it? It happened to Lionel Messi, it happened to Cristiano Ronaldo, so they... They have this weird law where if it's going to be like under two years, it's a suspended sentence. And I think the sentence for tax fraud is 23 months as a standard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no rich people going to jail. I know. You imagine people going to jail or potentially serving in the military, <laughs> which takes us to our second news story. Korea wins two to one, I think. Or three, two one in extra time. In yeah. extra time, yeah, two goals scored in extra time to save themselves in the final of the Asian Cup from having to do mandatory military service. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited is Hingman's son to not have to do that? <laughs> oh my god, he was on his knees pounding the floor, like <laughs> screaming, crying, smiling. It was unreal, and we were talking about it that day, and it was just the most surreal thing, and all of us, I think, ended up watching it. Yeah, I yeah, watched the it extra w- time. It was it was on a stream, and you just surreal the fact that these guys are playing so that they don't have to go to war. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's I know. So mental. I had to explain that to like my eight year old, and he just couldn't wrap his head around it. I was like, "No, if he loses this match, he has to join the army." <laughs> it was just like, but his head exploded. He could not fathom why that would be the case. You should yeah, threaten that's... him with that from now on too. Like, if you don't finish your dinner, you have to join the army. Him, but yeah, he looked scared. So yeah, I could do it. It's good parenting, one on one. So help me God, if you don't win Commonwealth gold, <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will send you down the mines. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But that was like genuinely insane. Like watching that yeah. extra time, I was like. I was kind of rooting for it to go to penalty kicks, and then I was like, no, 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 I'm a terrible person. Like, <laughs> That's so evil. Yeah. I, mean, no, I thought to... if they'd lost, it would have been great if the military came on and just escorted them off the pitch straight away. <laughs> <laughs> or like, just shaved all their heads right then and there. Like, right, let's go, guys. Yeah. Do we know on. if it, it, was that the case for all of the team, or if some of them already served it, or what? Was it? I mean, we just hear I about Sun because he plays in the no Premier League. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, I have I didn't know whether the stakes were the same for the whole team. That was a... I don't honestly think I could name another Korean player that's current. Like, I can name other Korean players that have played in the Premier League, but I don't know if they're on the team or not, so. Well, it was was the under-23s or something, wasn't it? That's why Sun was in there, and you had to do... How old is Sun? Actually, I don't know. But that's... I'm just going by what it said on Bet365. It was really weird. It said Japan under-23 and Korea under-23. Sun got both assists in extra time, so I think he really, like, had that extra motivation, and he really stepped his game up for that. You'd think he'd just get exception for beating Germany at the World Cup or something. Like, that's more impressive than winning a gold at the Asia Games. Yeah, I guess. Or just, you know, being fantastic in the Premier League week in and week out. Like, it's hard to be that good. But either way, he's, you know, he's safe. 
he gets to come back. I'm sure Tottenham are really happy. Although, uh, wonder what that'll mean for Lucas Moura's minutes. But yeah, we'll see. It was the under twenty three uh, games. You're right, Chuck. Um, and uh, Korean military leaders are taking a look at the system now after the uh, publicity that this has got. <laughs> Might not be the case in the future. Yeah, there, and there was a bunch of stories coming out of like other people who had taken extreme measures to not have to serve. Yeah, like um, you remember Gang- Gangnam Style, Gangnam Style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sai had to serve twice because he like kept his music career going while he was serving, which is illegal, so they made him go back and do, like, another year. I thought you just mean, meant because the military leaders had heard that song and thought, no, get him back. <laughs> just get, get him back. back. <laughs> no more of you. Yeah. And there was some other pop star who had, like, illegally gotten teeth removed to try to pretend that he had, like, medical issues to get out. It was fucking hilarious. Like, it was, I mean, not hilarious. Like, it's horrible that they make them go to war, but... Yeah, but it's not us, so it's funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, speaking of national teams, in the news, we have the Denmark team is going to have to name a futsal squad for their upcoming international friendlies and matches this this break because there's a dispute with the players' union over the players refusing to sign a new deal with regards to commercial rights. Um, and so they fired all the current players, including Christian Eriksen, Andreas Christensen, and other notable players from the Premier League and leagues across the world. So, can a futsal full 11 beat the Wales national team on September 9th? I would like to ask, what is a futsal team? <laughs> Wait, do you not know what futsal is? That is that like table football? No, no, is no. Is it no. a table football team? Is the Danish <laughs> table football team going to turn up? And they're all going to stand in complete perfect lines yeah. and link arms and just try and kick the ball forward. Is that what's going to happen? Because if that is the case, I really want to fucking watch it. <laughs> I'm really excited to watch it because futsal players don't basically play any defense. They have no idea. Um, make sure, go like on YouTube after we're done recording and watch a bunch of futsal highlights. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's the game that Ronaldinho came up playing. It's like indoor soccer with a super, super dense, heavy ball, and they play on, like, a basketball court. Um, and it's all about, like, fancy flicks and tricks and skills and, and Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how many people on a team in futsal? Is it five? five? Yeah, I think it's five. So, so how big is the Danish futsal team if they can replace the Danish football team? Well, Do they have enough players? They've got their A, I... their B team, and one of the C. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh gosh! So it's going to be interesting because, like, I just Gareth Bale dribbling past a bunch of people who don't know how to space themselves out on a full size field. Like, I could see Wales running the score up like twenty two to zero just because Gareth Bale on his own. What do you call a hat trick of hat tricks in one match? Is there even a name for that? The football ramble always had like a, a system, didn't they? Of how many goals? Like, or was it like five was a glut or something, and they went up from there? I can't remember them though. I remember, I don't know if I'm imagining this, but I remember years ago it being called a milestone. Really? Like, actually, the name of five... Obviously, like, a milestone is a marker of lots of things, but, like, yeah. five goals was called a milestone. Really? I don't know I whether I'm know just that. imagining that, or... Yeah, we're both fiercely Googling Tap, right tap now. it away, yeah. <laughs> tap, 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 quick. Someone let me know, please. Uh, four goals is called a haul. Five is oh. a glut. Oh, no, damn it, this is the football ramble on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're just repeating the football ramble. Brilliant. Uh, yep. Yep. Never mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know the history of why it's called a hat trick, but I don't know what you call four goals. Why is it called a hat trick? 
uh, I read this once, but that when you scored three goals way the hell back in the day, you got an invitation to go to a fancy party at like the Lord's Manor and you had to wear a top hat and like a coattail and all that. Um, and so they called it a hat trick because if you scored three, you got the invite to wear a hat. Love it. <laughs> Did you have to do tricks with said hat? Ah, <laughs> uh, not that I know of. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got you like a performing monkey. Yeah, like a magician. Yeah. <laughs> what are you pulling out of the hat? Um, and if you were Maurizio Sarri, you'd be pulling cigarettes out of the hat because for our next news story, in an odd, odd news segment, uh, Maurizio Sarri has been eating cigarettes on the sideline. And so my question to you is, is eating cigarettes on the sideline worse for your stomach than the crazy thing that Stimmers has been doing? <laughs> Chuck, go. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand it. I don't I don't get it. Is, is he just eating cigarettes to try and get a nicotine kick? Is it because <laughs> he really wants to smoke? Could he just substitute it with other things like maybe just eat some chips or, you know, have a sandwich? <laughs> Or nicotine like, gum, at least, or chewing or, tobacco. Or like nicotine something. gum, or just wear some patches. Like, he wears short sleeves. He's got plenty <laughs> of arm space. He doesn't even have to roll his sleeves up. Just bang, patch on, crack yeah, on. Yeah, just, just do a Sherlock and put, like, 22 patches on his body. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't I can't tell if he's if he's just eating cigarettes. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's I literally amazing. don't understand what he's trying to do. Like, that's not a thing. Like you do, who I've never heard of anyone else ever eating a cigarette. Like okay, so he's not allowed to smoke <laughs> yeah. on the sideline. Makes sense. It's a football match. Like they yeah. need their lungs. But how is the next best option to eat cigarettes? And is he taking the filters off? Like why wouldn't he? I don't understand. I really don't understand. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, with the smoke indoor smoking ban came in a long time ago here, and you have, you don't just see people just chowing down on 20 a day in the pubs you know i don't, I don't understand it <laughs> at all no that's a bit weird but but if he just kept nipping out of the stadium to have a fag and coming back it would that would look a bit weird as well he's just out there especially if chelsea play liverpool because apparently klopp smokes like 20 30 a day as well really yeah you don't see klopp doing doing that i mean <laughs> klopp doesn't klopp doesn't show the signs because since he's just had i think he's had the roberto Firmino teeth job done and he's now got the day glow smile. <laughs> yeah, or the Brendan Rogers veneers. Oh god. What is it about Liverpool managers, I guess? Or <laughs> managers from Liverpool? It's just terrifying. Is that like a thing over there that people in Liverpool just get their teeth done? Wait, what managers from Liverpool? Brendan Rogers isn't from Liverpool. No no no. I meant managers who manage in Liverpool. So like oh, he got right, his teeth okay. done when he was at Liverpool. Um it's for me though, mate. He started a revolution. Yeah, I guess. Let's see, what else do I have for news? Ah, yes. For the first time since 2006, Lionel Messi will not finish in the top three of the FIFA Player of the Year voting. And in that year, in 2006, the top three were Cannavaro, Zidane, and Ronaldinho. Is this officially the end of the Messi era, or will he make a comeback next year for the Ballon d'Or? I mean, you've got to figure the only reason he's not been included was because Argentina did shit at the World Cup. And Barcelona didn't really do anything in Europe last year, even though they won the they won a double, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, Barca did do the double, but was Messi the big driving force behind that? Still, yeah, yeah, he I agree. still is in that team, and he will be. But yeah, it's just because it's decided on the glamour stuff, like the Champions League, which obviously Real dominated so much, which is why at the the Champions League draw and the awards that they did then, um, Real Madrid players won every position. 
So Kaylor Navis won best goalkeeper. Sergio Ramos won best bastard. Sorry, I mean um, best <laughs> defender. Um, Luka Modric won best midfielder and best overall player. And Ronaldo won best forward. So, I mean, Modric is definitely deserved, and Ramos is the biggest bastard in football that I can think of. <laughs> oh, God, it was so amazing. Not only the fact that he was sitting behind Mo Salah, but the fact that he, like, touched him on the Give shoulder after he won the award. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, he's so good at it. And then he put his feet up right on the chair next to him. Yeah. And then spat in the back of his hair. Yeah. Gave him a pat on the head. Shaved the dick in the back of Salah's hair. <laughs> he still hasn't noticed. <laughs> oh boy um speaking of the champions league draw uh that was the last news story for the week um champions league draw was done on thursday i believe um a couple of groups jump out we have atletico madrid in the same group as dortmund um so that might be interesting to see them clash Tot- tottenham got a bit of a hard draw with barcelona psv eindhoven and inter milan inter have yeah. started to do much better in the recent years than they had been for the last like decade or so Liverpool got fucked with Napoli <laughs> PSG. Like, there's a good chance they don't get out of that group because Napoli are legit and PSG are legit. Yeah, there's a big team gone from there. That's yeah. That'll be very interesting to watch. Yep. And the flip side of that being that Man City finally got a decent draw because they've always had horrible draws in the Champions League, and they have Hoffenheim, Lyon, and Shakhtar, so they're clear favorites for that group. No, they had a decent draw last year. Um, Did they? I remember they had yeah they had quite easy teams last year. Um, do, 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 do. Why is my computer so slow? This is taking far too long. I wish it would just work. Da, da, da. Sorry. Christmas music. I love it. <laughs> I fucking love Christmas. I, I literally already played Christmas music last week. Mate, um, I've been to eight Christmas meetings and I've set up my festive display. Don't worry about it. Anyway. Awesome. So we are a pro-Christmas podcast, I guess. Ian? Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% beyond Christmas. I tell you, Excellent. I used to work at a shopping channel and their, like, their Christmas started on August bank holiday. And I fucking hated Christmas for the sort of three or four years that I lived, <laughs> I worked there. It was fucking horrible. By September, you were sick of it. And it took it took having a kid and him getting a bit older to actually rediscover Christmas because fuck me, yeah. I hated it. Oh, I've always been Christmas crazy. Like we decorated the week before Thanksgiving once because we were going to be going away for a little while, and I was like, "Well, I still need my four weeks of Christmas decorations in the house." So we decorated like November twentieth, <laughs> and like people would come over and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> Why are you blasting Christmas music and everything is decorated and it's not even December yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. My sister-in-law hates Christmas music and I play it every chance I get when I'm Christmas music is the tits. Christmas music really is the tits. I have like 500, I think, or like 450 Christmas songs that I have paid for and downloaded on my iPod. Like I have a giant Christmas playlist. Actually, when we got married, we got married at the beginning of January, and our cocktail hour had Christmas music going. <laughs> wow, you, you go in on things, don't you, Oscar? You really do. Yeah, I don't do thing any. I don't do anything half-assed. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't fuck about. <laughs> Clearly, anything Jesus. worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to get back to the original point, Man City didn't last year. They had Shakhtar um, and Feyenoord, and Napoli was like the tough team. So they didn't have a bad draw then, but yeah, this one is just 
Like, there's nobody in that group. No, Shakhtar, Leon, and Hoffenheim. Like, yeah, that's not anything. And United got Juventus and Valencia and Young Boys. <laughs> I love that team. I always <laughs> oh, forget God. they exist. And then I so had to weird. Google uh, when I was doing tweets about this. I had to Google Young Boys Twitter. And I just felt so fucking wrong because I couldn't find the Twitter handle for it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to have some knocks on the door. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, not good. Your targeted ads are going to be very, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a stadium called like the Wank Arena or something? Like, right. I'm pretty sure Google it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely Google that. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Google's getting a paste in tonight. Yeah, don't, <laughs> definitely don't search Young Boys Wank Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I got away with just searching Young Boys Twitter. Don't. It's called the Wankdorf. <laughs> oh god! It's called the Wankdorf. Oh, I'm not even making dear. it up. Like, yeah, Young Boys play at the Wankdorf. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Fucking it's hell. not. It's not Young Boys Stadium, is it? I'm not making this up. Google it. It's called the Wankdorf. It's like Stade de Suisse Wankdorf, but everybody just calls it the Wankdorf. <laughs> Oh my god. It's perfect. God it's bless good. you, Switzerland. God bless you. IKEA, Swedish Fish, and BSC Young Boys playing at Wankdorf. Stop saying it. Yeah, dude, dude. <laughs> IKEA's Sweden. <laughs> That's true. Are those different countries? God damn it. I always do this. <laughs> oh, poor little pomegranate. He's fucking. Yeah. Sweden, Switzerland, pomegranate, and grape. Fruit. No, not grapefruit. Um, <laughs> eggplant. Eggplant. That's the one. Yeah. I'm fucking terrible at vegetables, man. I don't even know. It's a fruit. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> we had this exact conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a fruit. All right. Yeah. That wraps it up for the news segment. <laughs> 25 minutes in to our rapid fire news segment. To be fair, you never introduced it as rapid fire this week, so you've got That's to get true. out of jail free card there. And also, there we we, sh- we should not do time checks when I'm going to cut out quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that should about do it for news for this week, which means that we can get to some more in-depth topics. I'll leave it up to you, Chuck. Do we want to talk about strikers first, or do we want to talk about mid-table teams? Oh, for God's sake. Just just start talking about how shit Benteke is, all right? Just get it over with. Uh, so yeah. I'm not just going to pick on Benteke, because there's actually a bigger name on there that I think people should be more worried about and talking about. But let's go ahead and start with Benteke. You're the Palace fan. Yeah. Um, you have said all along that he contributes more to the team than just goals, and so he should stay in the squad. But I guess my question to you is, at what point does his terrible finishing and the way that he's wasting good chances that they're creating become enough of an issue that you want to take him out yeah it is an issue like the guy must have just zero confidence at the minute because even when he's getting great looks like against Watford if he'd have put the ball towards the corner or the side he would have got a goal as it is he put it straight down the middle same against Southampton he was you know three yards out and headed it straight at McCarthy rather than going for a corner Again, which, you know, two seasons ago, he would have eaten those up. And so he definitely needs the confidence back, which I thought he would have got um, coming out of the end of last season. But I still think Palace, as a team, as a whole, I don't think Hodgson's playing the strongest eleven still. Um, I think Maya will, will start playing more. Zaha's out. 
Tomkins is out and those two guys are, are massively crucial for us. Um, Tomkins at the back for stability and Zaha with going forward. But yeah, Benteke, it is, it's hard to keep defending him. Um, I'm a very, very patient man when it comes to football because I just, you know, I I don't claim to know more than the people whose careers it is to to pick these players and to play systems and, and things like that. But yeah, there there has to come a point where he would get dropped. However, I don't think that um, Sirlot would be the answer at Palace. Yeah, I don't necess- I don't know enough about him to say that he'd be a, a better striker necessarily. But to me, like if I was a Palace fan or as a neutral, it's like to watch them create really good chances, and then have Benteke be the person on the end of those chances. Like even if he did a lot of good work in the build up, someone needs to be putting those away. Mm-hmm. Like you. Same thing happened at the start of last season where they didn't score for eight or nine games or whatever it was, and then they finally scored against Chelsea, but it was an own goal. Um, they weren't anywhere near one of the worst teams in the league last, that year. They were in, like, if I recall, they were in, like, sixth place for XG. But the problem was that all of that XG, someone has to be the person taking the shot. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a dangerous situation and you're the one taking the shot, but you can't finish, like, yeah, of course your team is going to underperform. It's kind of the inverse of David De Gea and how United were plus 15 on their X goals conceded last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Benteke, even when he was good, is what in the analytics community people call a high XG striker, um, which isn't what you would necessarily think. It's not someone who just creates a lot of xg that's like the the obvious thing but it's specifically a striker who takes a lot of high xg shots and uses more the volume of shooting to put their goals in and to create the goals then as opposed to someone who overperforms their xg um mm-hmm. by scoring from deeper and so yeah and it's also always... also the person who's the focal point of the attack especially right. you know nowadays there are so few teams that play with two people up front so, you know, as being the lone striker, you'll get into those situations where you'll have more chances. Yeah. I think sometimes, like we've said before, like XG, meaning that teams are playing playing well or creating those chances, exactly as you said, it can be a sign of the inverse and the fact that they've just got no one that can put away the chances. So it yeah. can be a negative thing and, and shows poor quality. And it, and it isn't always a negative thing, to be honest. Like, thinking back, I think the like the more sort of simplified version of it would be what what people would call a poacher, right? Is that someone who only scores from very, very dangerous situations mm-hmm. um, and someone who needs a lot of looks at goal to put him away. So a, a notable example, other than Benteke in the past, is Gabriel Jesus. He's definitely falls into that category of a high XG striker. He consistently, quote-unquote, underperforms his XG, but it's just that he has so many shots and so many looks at goal from such dangerous situations that he's going to score a lot of goals, even if he like misses some chances that other strikers would want to be putting away and not wasting. Um, so for like last year, Jesus was plus 2.37 on his XG, which is a pretty significant amount because you figure a goal, a striker is going to score, you know, even on the lead striker is not, most of them don't go past 20. You'll have the occasional guy who's pushing towards 30. So two and a half goals is a significant amount of goals. Um, But no one would turn around and say that Jesus had a bad season. Um, And already this year, Gabriel Jesus is plus 0.92. So he's a goal behind his XG. But again, he's fine because, like, he just has so many looks at goal that it it works out. 
Um, some other notable high XG strikers uh, are would be Chicharito in the past, um, or right now Charlie Austin, Callum Wilson, and Benteke. Last year, Benteke was plus eight point two on his XG, so he should have scored on average compared to the average striker eight point two more goals. That's a whole season for a lot of strikers, like. And so, yes, he's always been a high XG striker, but that's a lot of fucking goals to be wasting for a team like Palace who need every goal. To me, that's yeah. a big issue. Like, that's a huge issue. You're right, Chuck. Chuck's going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck like, you and your stats. Yeah, sorry. Um, your logical arguments and fucking... There's no one else, for the record, who was above point, plus point five last season. Or plus five, rather. And uh, Benteke was plus eight. Like, that's absurd. So it's, it's one thing to be a high XG striker who needs a lot of looks at goal. And it's another completely thing to be someone who's just wasting the chances. Kellen Wilson and Charlie Austin are having terrible seasons this year also. Charlie Austin's already plus 1.5. Like, he's going to have to go on a very hot finishing streak. To catch up to his own numbers. And Callum Wilson as well. Yeah, he's plus 1.1. But he's not having a bad season. Scoring a few chances and like the goal that he scored. I mean, he scored that ridiculous goal where he... I'm not going to say he ran through West Ham. He jogged through West Ham. (laughs) And then slotted it. But that's still not really an easy chance to put away. So, I was going to say, because I was was thinking of bringing him in in fantasy. I mean, he has scored too, so that's not bad. But he's at 3.1. Mm, for okay. XG, so that's you know pl- to be plus one down already. Yeah, this early on, like, that's and that, that just games, keeps building. Yeah. yeah, that's not great. Um, although notably, Mohamed Salah is also plus one point one, and you can see that actually. There's a few notable chances that he missed from like inside the penalty box. Yeah, he had an absolute sitter against Leicester this week. Yeah, and that's going to be a super high XG chance. Yeah, I say like sitter, but you know. For him, last year, you saw him put away that chance time after time after time after yeah. time. He is that sort of player, though, isn't he, though? Because, I mean, that is one of the reasons, again, in fantasy, to bring it back to FPL, like uh, he doesn't get bonus points, doesn't it? Losing, uh, occasionally losing possession and shots off target. Yeah, yeah. he sprays, sprays balls everywhere. Mm. Like, so often, it's like we said the other week, then he, he'll just sprint down the sideline, but then overrun it or, or just smash it into the stands, so... Yeah, although last season Mohamed Salah had one of the hottest um, scoring seasons of anyone in any of the big leagues in the last like 10 years, he finished minus 7 on his expected goals. So he scored 7 more goals than the statistics would tell you, which, you know, fair enough because he's a fantastically talented finisher. Players like Messi and Ronaldo often finish minus 5, minus 6. Okay. Um, But he already is not replicating that. So we'll see if he goes on a hot streak. He can easily catch up to it, but... He's plus 1.1, where he was minus 7 for the whole season last year. Um, But the other, the name that I was kind of burying the lead on, the other striker that I think people should be worried about and talking about, um, is the considered the other best striker in the league, which is Sir Harold of Kane. What are your thoughts on Harry Kane? I'm curious to hear them before I go into my stats rant. Is he still the best striker in the league? I don't know whether, I don't know whether the opinion of Kane gets skewed because he's the England striker. Yeah. Um, and he is, you know, he's come through at Tottenham in the last few years. He's won two out of three of the last Golden Boots, and last year, you know, only narrowly lost out to Salah. 
when Salah had a ridiculous season and Kane kind of then went unnoticed, even though he was, what, Salah got 34 in the league and I think Kane was 31, 32. So, you know, he's the focal point of that Tottenham attack and I wouldn't be surprised really because he's the one who's up there with, with so many chances that he that he does spurn a few. I mean, you know, you look at his history, apart from this year, you know, he'd never scored a goal in the league in August. Yeah, so people have been talking about, like, oh, Harry Kane's going to have a great season. He finally broke his August duck, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that looking at Harry Kane's stats, there's a very notable event that happened in March, which is his ankle injury, where he went last year, he got 30 goals. Salah had 32. No one else was above 21. Um, so obviously the two of them were far and away the best. But Harry Kane went from being a Ronaldo level, like, truly elite striker to what's been six months now, so a significant amount of time, where he has fallen to below Premier League average with his stats. Um, specifically, he used to take six shots per 90, and he's down to 2.4 since his injury. So he's just not shooting. Um, and his XG for all of the, se- the last three seasons before this one were 0.75 and 0.7, and thereabouts. XG per 90, now he's 0.3 oh, XG wow. per 90. So if you push that forward, that is a goal every three and a half games, which is terrible. And specifically, the thing that has happened is his speed. He just has no speed and explosiveness anymore since his injury, and so he's not taking shots from outside the box. Um, In the two seasons before that, he was always top five for shots in the box, and now he is just not. So he went from being the type of striker who wildly overperforms XG because of his clinical finishing, especially from distance, because obviously distance shots are low, low XG shots, but he was putting yeah. them away. Um, and now he's only taking high XG shots, so he's turning into a high XG striker in the style of Benteke and Jesus, except the problem is that if you're going to be a high XG striker, you need to be taking shots a lot. And he has more than halved the amount of shots that he's taking per 90. Um, so that, to me, like that's a massive area of concern for Spurs and for England. like He needs to adjust his game, and I don't see that. Do you guys see signs of him adjusting his game to the new reality of his physical body? Yeah, I think I think if, if he truly is a great, then he'll be able to, you know, overcome that, and it could just be, you know, the, these injuries can take a lot longer to, to rehabilitate from than just the medical reasons. You know, it's confidence, it's almost a fear that you get sometimes of not wanting to do something in case you have the same thing happen again. It can take a lot longer when you don't have a break between a tournament and a league starting. Yeah, yeah. exactly that as well. Like, it's still mental. And, you know, we've said it tons of times that, you know, Tottenham can easily overrun themselves this year. And, yeah, he came back from the tournament. He had a kid born and then he was back in with the team five days before the season began and then playing in the first game. So... I mean, that is what happens when your backup is Fernando Llorente, but... Yeah, I mean, well, speaking of Fernando, to me, like, if he's not careful, he's going to be Fernando Torres 2.0. Yeah. Because he was someone who was fast and would shoot from distance, and then he had an injury, and he never adjusted his game to his body. Like, Harry Kane isn't going to have that time off. We keep saying he needs a time off, he needs a time off. It's just not happening. And so if he's going to come... They rushed him back from injury... He played in the World Cup when he shouldn't have been. His World Cup stats were horrible. He won the Golden Boot, but like his underlying stats were not at all Harry Kane-level stats. No, but he won it off, what, two, three penalties? Yeah, say, 
penalties back heel from outside the box. Yeah. Right. And so I think that he really needs to reevaluate the way that he plays. Um, and he was saying that he sees himself more as a distributor and a creator than a finisher. Like he said that in an interview last week. And so I think that, that he's recognizing that there's limitations to his body, but he there's tactically they're not adjusting for that. And so I don't he's either like I could see him becoming Torres two point or Wayne Rooney two point right? right? Which is like Ugh, super, super dangerous. Yeah, right? <laughs> like yeah. the stats are are bad and it's not like people will be like, Oh, sample size, sample size, but like it's been six months since March and his stats have consistently been down. Like half the XG per ninety half the shots per 90, half the high-intensity runs per 90, no more shots from outside the box when he was top five before that. Like, Yeah, if you're a Spurs fan, that's massively worrying. But yeah. that's the thing is I think Spurs fans aren't worried, and I think a lot of people aren't noticing this. It's like well, the, sneaking under the radar. Well, he does get, for now, I think he gets a bit of a free pass. No one would have said he was going to win the Golden Boot. He's the England captain. Spurs fans, he's one of our own. You know, for yeah. for a while he'll get a free pass, and he he you know and he still scored two goals and got an assist in in his first four games this year. It's it's hard to tell because the the whole team isn't really flying with Spurs. Um, obviously they got caught out by Watford, who are performing really really well at the moment. But they need to need to see more of that that second half against Man United Spurs that you know. Lucas Moura can't just be the only one driving forward all the time. The whole team needs to kind of pick up, and I'm wondering if that that kind of comes from the uh, the World Cup hangover, with so many players being having deep runs in that. Yeah, so I I guess my question to you is, how do we reconcile the stats nerds being like, "Uh oh, Harry Kane, watch out," versus the like eyeball traditional type fans who are like, "He scored two in August. He's never scored. He just won the Golden Boot." He scored 30 goals last season. He's on what fire. are you guys complaining about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We let him fight to the death. <laughs> we we get him in an arena. <laughs> we bring down the cage. Maybe that'll be one of the features at the new arena, the new stadium. Yeah, and we it's go like, we go fucking Thunderdome style. The brewery, the cheese room, and the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the Camembert 365. Yeah. <laughs> So I give it. I've got a bit of live Peterborough news if you want it. Um, when we started recording, this is Tuesday night. Obviously, when we started recording, uh, Peterborough were three nil down at half time to MK Dons, and we've just put in a ninety third minute equaliser. Yay! Fuck MK Come on Dons. Push. Well, that makes it. it four four wins, two draws now. Oh, this is this is the checker trade trophy, mate. It's the one they all want. Oh, uh, whoa! <laughs> Hold the phone. Yeah, we're pretty much. I think we've played a second string. There's only pretty, uh, two, two of our usual sort of starting eleven. But yeah, you guys have a second string. You have enough players for that. Fuck <laughs> you, Oscar. <laughs> they just get blokes off the street, Oscar, off the street of Peterborough. Stimmer's the son is in goal right now. <laughs> yeah. Tell him if he loses that he has to go straight to the army. <laughs> straight to the army, son. All right, well, Peterborough are red hot, and another team that are red hot to transition to our second topic is Watford. Uh, Perfect record so far, level with Chelsea and Liverpool at the top of the table on points. Um, Are they the real deal? Yes or no? No, um, I don't think so. 
Um, you know, you can't you can't deny that's an unbelievable start to the season from them. I I think Watford always I have it in my head that Watford always start the season well. Um, then they get to sort of Christmas time. Then their manager loses like three games in a row. Then they sack them. Then they get a new manager in, and then they end the season with like a relegation battle. That's kind of what Watford do, isn't it? Every year. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. They they get to December, they're like, oh, we're safe, okay, and then they just fucking turn off um, when they could be pushing for yeah. like higher league spots. Um, but your instincts are serve you well, to quote Star Wars. Um, Watford are wildly overperforming their XG for very, very early in the season. They are already plus 4.25, um, which four goals over the course of a season is a lot, even for a team. Um, wow. So they are currently 11th for XG, even though they are in third place in the table. But the one thing that is different this year and that they have improved on is their defense. They're actually the second best defense in the league for XG conceded this year. Um, and they're actually underperforming a little bit. And that's come against um, Burnley, uh, who haven't been good, and Brighton, who are garbage. But Palace haven't been that bad, and they, I would expect, are aiming for a top-half finish. And Tottenham, most notably, who are a legit, legit good team. And to have the second-best defense against those four matches is not like anything to ignore. I think that's, that's something worth looking at. What's your sense of their defense? I mean, defensively, they've looked quite solid. Cabasele for them has looked really good and has been highlighted a couple of times actually on match of the day um, just for kind of winning the ball and, and you know overall they're quite a, a dogged like a rough team like they, they fight you know they've they play that ugly football with you know Dini just being an absolute battering ram up front that can that can battle with anybody and, and get them further up the pitch and and get forward and especially from like set pieces which is what did them well against Tottenham you know, both of their goals for Tottenham came from set pieces yeah Josh Holovas getting the assists and he's someone as well that from defence now is like wildly overperformed I mean everyone's gone on about him this year especially in fantasy football but you know he, he I don't think he'd scored a goal like ever before this season I don't think or like at least didn't didn't last year and now so far he's got Albeit one goal against Palace, which he openly admitted was a cross. Two assists against Tottenham. Um, I think he's had two more assists as well. So maybe four assists and at least one goal. Yeah. So I think they are overperforming. But hey, if they, you know, if it, if it gets you off to a solid start, I don't, I don't say any of this to think that Watford are a crap team or whatever. I, I think they are good, and I, I just think they, they need some sort of stability that they haven't had for years with just the managerial merry-go-round um, they've had, you know, sometimes having three or even four managers in a season, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure when they got promoted this time, they sacked the manager that promoted them, hired a new one, and had fired that one before the Premier League season had started, their first season. And and since then, it's just been over and over again. So, you know, it'll be it's good to see them get off to such a, a flying start. And you'd like to think they can they can keep it solid, um, especially if they are performing well as a defence. And and Javi Gracia does, you know, marshal them well, and and they look really disciplined, really really disciplined in defence. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I think are we kind of landing on the idea that yeah, sure they're top now, but they're going to regress back to the middle of the table where they kind of belong. Yeah, I think so. Um, because you know, because if if you look at it this way. 
are Watford going to win at least four games? Of course they are. So there's no reason for them not all to happen in succession. You know, they Watford very much like Palace, I know, can be a very, very streaky team and have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go back to the season when Leicester won the league and, and Watford and Palace were both in the top five at Christmas and then, you know, were really struggling towards the end of the year. That was after long like losing runs and, and just not picking up points anywhere because it can happen. So I think they'll they'll regress to the mean. Um there's every possibility that they could be like Burnley this year and, you know, overperform everything because someone has to. You know, stats are there and, and they they work as an average, but every so often they're they're gonna get broken or, or kind of blown apart a bit, which we've we've seen with, you know, Burnley last year and Leicester a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's good for them, but I th- I think yeah, it will regress to the mean and they'll be a, a mid-table team. Yeah. Okay. So you you brought up Burnley just now. I think that's another that's a good place to go. Um, they are another team that people would have expected to be mid-table, but they're currently in nineteenth. Yeah. Do we think that? So if we think Watford are are hot, but they'll probably regress to the middle of the table. Do we think that Burnley are a team that can sort of make up for lost ground and get to the middle of the table still? I'd like to think so, but at the same time, the way Burnley play, you know, they're not they're not an out and out attacking team. They they've always been a sit back. You know, Dyche, much like I was just saying with Gracia with his defence, you know, Dyche marshals them well and 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 plays solid and and at times quite boring and traditional football. You know, the amount of games they they won one nil or what have you last year or, or only lost one nil, yeah, um, because they you know. They scored 36 goals in 38 games last year. So they're, they're not a wildly attacking or out-and-out team. So I just worry if they get into a situation where they do have to chase and try and make up ground, can they? Because if they if they keep playing that kind of defensive and I don't want to say negative football because it sounds the wrong way, but yeah. not really free-flowing and attacking and, and going after games and going after teams by the jugular... Well, what if they what if they slip up again against another team and and then it happens again and then it happens again you know they can Absolutely. They, could, they can easily still be in that bottom bottom tier yeah um, i i think they're a big big concern for relegation um you know we, we keep citing the like 36 goals scored and believe it or not they actually overperformed their expected goals last year wow they were Even third then. from bottom for expected goals and they were minus 3 so even despite scoring such few goals, they somehow fucking overperformed those numbers. <laughs> and even more, I would say, worryingly for Burnley fans is that they... So last year, we talked about how Man United were plus 15 on their expected goals allowed. And we were like, oh, that's clearly David De Gea having one of the best seasons ever. Um, Burnley were very much the other team to ride a very, very good striker to massively over overperforming their expected goals allowed, they were plus thirteen point two on expected goals allowed. They sh- they finished sixth best in the league for goals allowed, but they should have been twelfth. According that should have been is a dangerous word. Yeah, you mm. would on average expect them to have been twelfth right. for wow. goals allowed, which is not good. That's not even like top half. Um, plus thirteen. Just for reference, no other team... Again, we said Man United at plus 15, and these guys at plus 13. No one else was above plus 5. Oh, blimey. Like, that is insanely overperforming your numbers. Yeah. And they did the same thing the season before. Like, everyone talks about Burnley's defense being watertight, 
I think Burnley's defense is dependent on their really amazing keepers. And if your goalkeeper now is going to be Joe fucking Hart for whatever reason, even though those other two guys are still there, mm. that's when you start seeing that regression to the mean and seeing that plus 13 goals allowed going away. He even admitted he was tired in a in a press conference or, or a post-match. And um, if your goalkeeper's saying he's tired, I mean... Geez, what about your outfield? Yeah, it, but I it, mean, it takes a lot out of them. They're they're doing. I can't remember who it was now, but one of one of the players who's used to kind of playing across like European competitions and and going for Champions League and things like that. I think it might have been Rio Ferdinand or, or someone like that. I'm sure it was someone from the Man United era. He says the first season you start doing that and traveling to other countries, it's incredibly tough to adjust. Yeah, I bet. And there's a lot of these guys that won't have done it before, and they and yeah. they won't be used to playing so many highly competitive games, traveling by plane to these different places, having a few days here and and in different environments because so much of sport, you know, the psychology is being what you're used to and having your traditions and having your free game rituals, and that all kind of goes out the window, and especially with something like the Europa League, where necessarily with their squad depth and their ability they wouldn't really want to be in. Dice even said, and it was kind of clear from his last team selection at Olympiacos, that it's like, it'll be good if we won, but we're okay with going out here. Yeah. Um, and they were very unlucky in that game. It was an incredibly exciting game to watch. But I think the international break comes at the perfect time for them. Um, I don't think they're going to have too many players that are going abroad and, and travelling and on international duty. So... They can actually get a bit of a break and kind of reestablish themselves of what they are, refocus and 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 try and, and claw back some way up the table. You know, it, it's still very, very early days and it's, yeah, it's it so hard, but they they haven't looked good and they and they have looked tired in every game. And, and you know, they did. They just need to pick themselves up. And I think they will because they, they didn't look bad against Man United from the highlights I saw. And defensively, they were still like very alert. Um, to some of the dangers, but against against Man United, especially the way they've been, they would have they would have really could have done with getting some sort of scrappy draw out of that. I think that's definitely the narrative that's growing around them is that the Europa League is draining them and they don't have the squad depth and all that. But I I don't actually agree with you on that. For once, we disagree um, because their numbers just don't paint that same picture. Like for last season for the season before, or for this season. Like, they haven't been good. They're fourth bottom from the table for expected goals allowed. They're third bottom from the table for expected goals scored. Like, they are exactly in the relegation zone for their numbers. Mm -hmm. And last season, like we talked about, like they, no one has consistently overperformed their defensive numbers than Burnley for the last two seasons. And so I think this is... We are finally seeing the actual Burnley... Um, and I think they're going to get relegated, like they and they and rightly so. Um, unless the only sort of way out for them is dropping Joe Hart, putting Tom Heaton or Nick Pope back in there, and hoping that they pull off some miracles. Yeah, um, well, Nick Heaton, uh, Nick Heaton, Tom Heaton is basically back now. Uh, Nick Pope, Nick Pope had basically the same injury as Tom Heaton, so I'm sure that was about a six, seven, or even eight month time out. Uh, it was from like dislocated shoulder or something like that. Or some yeah, that's sort of right, dislocated shoulder. So Heaton, I'm sure, was back in team selection, and, and yeah, you just wonder like that's got to be curtains for Hart, which, which 
His move from Man City to Burnley still baffles me. And for the reasons like he didn't want to be farmed out on loan, fair enough. But why go to a team with two goalkeepers who are pushing for England selection to basically go somewhere to be a third choice keeper? Like Burnley, yeah. where they're not going to be chopping and changing their keepers, really, um, or playing like rotation as much. And it was, yeah, it was just a bit weird for me. Um, and he hasn't been good for years now. It's not like, no, you know, he had a bad season. In all season different teams, he, in different systems, he's been shit. Yeah, he was, and people in Italy would say he was shit. People at West Ham would say he was shit. Like, that last season at City, even, like, there's a reason he got sent out. And yeah. it wasn't because Pep didn't like his style. It's because he was, like, genuinely bad. Mm-hmm. It's been years now since Joe Hart was a good goalkeeper. And so when you're a team like Burnley that depends on elite goalkeeping to overperform expected goals and be quote-unquote a solid defense, even though you're not actually a solid defense, you just have a good keeper, and now you're playing Joe Hart, like, yeah, that's going to fucking collapse in a heartbeat. And that's exactly what we've seen. Like, they are exactly where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think Burnley's next four are really important for him. The next four in the Premier League are Wolves, then Bournemouth, then Cardiff, then Huddersfield. I mean, wow. they've got to be looking at six to nine points if they want to be still competitive. You know, competing. It's it's they've got to get points out of them four games. I'd even I'd even say they need to be keeping clean sheets as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I think if they because then they're, they're not the team. They're not a team that's going to win three two. They're just not. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't score that much. So they they really need to concentrate on clean sheets, which is why I said, and, and it's worrying that if they're chasing league positions and then also end up in, in the, the smaller scale of chasing games because they're 1-0 down, they're, yeah. they're not the team to do that. No, they, like, despite, again, like, they had that garbage goal-scoring season and somehow still managed to overperform <laughs> despite only scoring 36 goals. Like, that's yeah, that is, that so is bad. Yeah. Um, and speaking of garbage seasons, um, West Ham so far, like, <laughs> it's absolutely shocking. Like, in, in the summer, I, I was seeing on Twitter a lot of West Ham fans going mental, um, saying that it was going to be shit and what have you. And I had no reason to believe it because they spent what like nearly a hundred million they got in all these great signings they got a premier league winning manager they got rid of david moyes and now they're looking <laughs> worse for it i love that that's universally seen as a positive now <laughs> getting rid of Moyes is universally seen as a positive huge upgrade, huge yeah. upgrade. absolutely but oh my god they just in in like flashes, and I thought from from the first half of the Arsenal game, you might see them see them as a bit more of a cohesive unit. But they they're just walking around. It's literally it's like the last days of Billich all over again. They're just yeah. putting in no effort, and and they look crap. I I desperately need them to be good because I picked them for our draft competition. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say, in their defence, that they have had a horrible horrible starting schedule yeah um with yeah, liverpool it's not good having liverpool and arsenal and low-key bournemouth have been one of the better attacking teams in the league if you sort by xg created so far bournemouth are third place wow. for this season Blimey. um man city liverpool then bournemouth above tottenham and chelsea so like you know we talk about uh liverpool and arsenal but bournemouth are equally a difficult test at least as so far this season for XG, and then their fourth game, West Ham, was against Wolves, who are also having a really good start and look dangerous. And so I think 
we talked about Burnley's next four games being important to them. You know, you look at West Ham's next four games and they have Everton, Chelsea, which is going to be hard, Man United, which is going to be hard, and Brighton. And if they don't win those two matches against Brighton and against Everton, which Everton aren't a gimme match, they're going to enter eight games into the season with, what, maybe three points? They can join the Palace Club. They're Palace last year. That's what they are, <laughs> except they have scored some goals. So yeah. even that's not as shit as Palace last year. Yeah, yeah but survive. the difference is that Palace last year were fifth or sixth for XG created. West Ham are fourth bottom for XG, and they are bottom for expected goals allowed. Like, those numbers are, again, where they should be. Like, West Ham and Burley are both in the relegation zone because that's what the numbers say. Like, they're exactly where they should be. Yeah. And sure, they have technically underperformed their numbers. So, like, they underperformed their expected goals allowed by uh, two goals, and they overperformed, and they underperformed their goals scored, expected goals scored, by also two goals. Um, so that's four goals in the other direction, both conceded and scored. But, this, like, that being said, they're still, again, bottom for XGA and fourth bottom for XG. And sure, you give yeah. them a little bit of a pass for their schedule, but, like, th- their schedule isn't getting better. And their yeah. numbers aren't good. Like, Palace were eight games in but they were good numbers these are horrible numbers yeah they don't have a decent run of fixtures until like from the 14th game of the season yeah um so before then i mean there are managers that have been binned way before that so pellegrini might not even get to see that run of great fixtures um which is newcastle cardiff palace fulham watford southampton burnley brighton so just, I mean, yeah, I say good fixtures, but they're just not paying any of the top six for, what, eight, nine games in a row. Yeah, I mean, but, that's not bad. Yeah, and I think, you know, Oscar, you've you've spoken a lot about central midfields and how they're so important this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just think a central midfield of Carlos Sanchez, Jack Wilshere and Mark Noble is not going to get you fucking anywhere. Uh, Mark Noble and Jack Wilshere getting significant minutes in a central midfield is not a recipe for success. Like, Ew. I bloody love Mark Noble. Just my sort of player. Noble, I really love him. <laughs> He's how got a he column a in career? the newspaper this year and he keeps having to write about how shit West Ham are. Like, <laughs> fuck that guy's job. Like, fuck that. He fucking loves that club as well. <laughs> oh, like, you can't fault him. He's a great servant for him and he just seems like a yeah. great guy. But yeah. I, he, he just needs to stop. He's not... He's a club captain, but he's not a, a good player anymore. And he's never been a good player. Like even in his prime, when he was younger and like getting about, like he was, he was just not good. Like, so I don't know. I worry about West Ham. They, so is there any chance of them, you know, get, betting Felipe Anderson into the squad? All the other players that they bought, starting to find their stride and work in the system with Pellegrini and improving hopefully by week 14 when they have that nice run. Mm. If they win all of those matches or most of those matches or get some solid amount of points out of those matches, do they have any chance of getting back to the mid-table or are they just fucked? No, I think there are positives for them. I think Arnautovic has looked really good starting the year. Kind of his old ways of just being like super aggressive and strong, but not in like the violent way Um, and then being quite pacey. And I think there's, you know, Felipe Anderson, I mentioned him last week. and I, I think he looks really, really good. And is that player who can, the others need to follow his example and be electric and, and driving forward and trying to go for it. Um, 
but when you have a central midfield, like I said, of Noble, who he can't run anymore, you know, he was he was waddling behind Callum Wilson the whole time when he scored that when Wilson scored that goal against him, waddling and just, just wasn't making it back. And you know, Wilshire, I've you know, he's probably injured right now. I don't even fucking know. <laughs> Let's assume so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a pretty safe assumption. Yeah, yeah. It's Mark Noble's never been fast. Like I remember years and years no, ago. No, and if you're just... not if you're not fast in that position, you have to have really decent tactical awareness and placement and and being able to read the game. And he doesn't seem to have that either. Yeah, there's. Um, I don't know what his deal is. Like, why what is he? Him like him? Like, what is he? He dresses yeah. nicely. He does dress nicely. He gets haircuts. Yeah, he's yeah. got a, he's got a good haircut. Haircut you could set your watch to, and he wears nice suits. Yeah, Playing Mark Noble in midfield makes about as much sense as eating a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, so, so if you had to pick now, obviously four games in, who would you say your bottom three is, judged by what you've seen so far? Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. we haven't even really mentioned them because they just—they're just garbage. They're just not even Although, to mention. Like, I'm just saying, I called it about what wanting to see that game Cardiff v Arsenal you know a <laughs> yeah. 3-2 yeah that was that's a pretty fucking game. good yeah, yeah, yeah. and shocking for Arsenal the fact they conceded two goals against them yeah, like I yeah. wound up an Arsenal mate of mine is like yeah it doesn't matter we still got the win it's like no you need to understand how fucking worrying that is <laughs> that you concede two goals to fucking Cardiff yeah yeah, yeah you can't Cardiff. just brush that away uh, yeah. we, we did say last week they don't like it up them and boy, did they not like it up them. No. That was really, really close. Yeah. Arsenal were lucky to get a result there. Like, they were not worth the goals that they scored. No. At no. all. Yeah, so I guess if I'm picking Cardiff, worst. And then Huddersfield haven't looked like doing anything of note. Yep. And probably I would say Burnley. Like, I think Burnley are going to go down this year. Yeah. I'd put I'd put money on that right now. It, it's hard to see past those three. Yeah. I mean, in in the predictor league, which is still open, and anyone can enter and just send us our send us your predictions for for table uh, placements one to twenty. Um, we're up to about twenty two people now, I think, as well. Ooh. Pretty much every single person has Cardiff and Huddersfield in their bottom three. Do we? <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, Oscar, you don't. Oh. Yay! Oscar went for Brighton, Cardiff, and Wolves, so that's changed. Two, two out of three of those. You must have changed. be struggling in that table at the minute, then. Oh, I'm in last place. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, no spoilers yet. We're not. Okay, we're not giving okay. the table away. I don't know that I am. That. I'm just saying. Okay. No, you are. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no spoilers. But yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get too excited, Ian. We're not that much ahead of him. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have United finishing like second. I think so. It's not good. It's not good. But yeah, Ian, who would you say from who, what you've seen so far? Would you agree with Oscar that that's kind of the three worst performing teams so far and that look like they can't really turn it around? Yeah, I think I don't think Cardiff, despite what we saw, which they, they put up a great fight against Arsenal, but I don't think they have the quality, uh, certainly not in depth, to go through the whole season. Uh, Huddersfield, I think, overperformed last year. I don't don't think they're going to uh, survive the season. Um, I think West Ham will pull out of it. So I would go, uh, I would agree. I think it's Cardiff, Huddersfield, Burnley. Yeah, I don't like to agree so readily, but I I can't find an argument otherwise. 
Do you want to no. throw another hat in the ring, maybe? Like another name out there? What about Newcastle? Newcastle, I think if they, they need to sort their shit out desperately. And Southampton, even though they beat Palace at the weekend, you know, the 2-0 flatters them. And they, they weren't good. Um, so I wouldn't I couldn't I wouldn't count them out of being relegated. I don't really fear for Fulham or Wolves. I was going to say, do we know um, anything about Fulham's numbers? Because I mean, they've been they've been scored. Or Mitrovic has been scoring, but uh, is that overperforming? I've not really caught Fulham. They are overperforming their goals scored by one and a half, right? And underperforming their goals allowed by a goal. Um, so they're currently, if you look at expected points, which at some point I should talk about how expected points is a little bit of a broken model, but not right now. They are sixth from the bottom. So they're right in there. Uh, okay. okay, and they're about where they are, yeah, because they're yeah. 13. If anything, they're a little bit high. Yeah, I and mean, you know, they're, everything's bunched up still because it's, yeah, you know, it's the start yeah, of the season. Yeah, it's so early. So it's, right, right. Yeah. I think yeah, it's going to I think it's gonna be really interesting. I do. I think, I don't think Cardiff are anywhere. I think Huddersfield will really struggle, but as for the last spot, it could go a number of ways. It really could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that, and I think you're right. I think it's going to be a very interesting season because you know Warnock said after the the Cardiff Arsenal game, he he said, "Well, we knew we weren't going to be able to hold out against them, and and like he didn't say park the bus, but you know play that way against them. So we figured we may as well go for it and give our fans something to cheer for. Fair enough. So you know I'm all behind that. If they're going to go out in a blaze of fucking glory, yeah. Well, it, it then that will be exciting to watch worked. every one of their games. Nearly yeah, worked, it nearly yeah. did. They're just unfortunate defensively, and that, that's where their weakness is. So, yeah. Chuck, you won't love this, but the numbers do not flatter Palace so far. Admittedly, sample size, um, but they are in 15th, and they would be 16th according to expected points. So, not so right, mate. Great. Above 18th is fine with me. I still think they'll turn it around, but. Benteke, man. Benteke's fucking killing you guys with those wow. goals. But anyway, um, so we have slotted in the schedule right now to talk about the international fixtures coming up a little bit, but I think we're running a bit long. Um, so we'll save that for next week's pod because we won't have any Premier League to discuss then anyway. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. But that would bring us to the listener questions segment, Stingers. Yeah, as you say, we are running a bit long. So what I think we'll do is we'll save we'll save the listener questions we've got uh, for this week. Thanks, thanks for sending them in. And if you've got any more, uh, let us know on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod and at, on Facebook um, Miles Offside Podcast. But what I did want to say was about the social media angle. We did a little poll on Facebook a little while ago. Uh, so <laughs> a couple of episodes back, uh, Oscar obviously. Uh, Visited, visited London and went to Stamford Bridge to watch Chelsea Arsenal. Now, oh, there are a lot of finger gestures going on on the sky there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. So, and one of the things you purchased was a half and half scarf. And me and Chuck let you know that this was an absolute no-no. And you had no no idea that culturally that was, a, that was an issue over here. You were just buying it as a souvenir you very eloquently put your case forward anyway you put a poll on facebook about uh whether it was a good souvenir or an abomination and i just wanted to let you know that uh it's a good souvenir received four votes and uh 
Those four votes were from you and our three wives and girlfriends. <laughs> oh, man, so that was the only support you had. All right. And the other listeners were all the gaff rats. They, who were like, it's an abomination. they were all, it's an abomination. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our listenership is overwhelmingly English. Yeah, <laughs> that might be true. Or they're just overwhelmingly correct. <laughs> yeah. I and think that was more of a whole of are you English or not than is this scarf okay? 76% of people and we are. found out that most of our listeners are English, so I'm okay with that. No, yeah. I stand by my purchase. I'm not sorry. It's hanging up on my wall. It looks fantastic. I maintain that if you went to a boxing match and you bought a poster that was like Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, the date, the location, and you put that up, no one would bat an eyelash. And it's the same thing. The fly, It happens to be on a scarf, but it still says Chelsea versus Arsenal. It has the date and it's hanging on my wall. So I stand by it. And I stand by it that you're wrong. So. <laughs> I just thought I'd, I just enjoyed the uh, low low numbers you got there. Yeah, I think we put up a Twitter poll too, and it was equally against me. So <laughs> you should put a picture. You should put a picture on Twitter of your uh, hung up hung up scarf. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do that. Yeah. So yeah, I think we'll 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 leave the listener questions until next week. We've got some good ones, so we'll, we will save them. Thank you for bringing in your questions. Um, but uh, Chuck, do you want to take us through the Predictor League and uh, what, what people can do? Because this is one of the last chances they'll have to enter. Yeah, so this will be the second to last episode where we, we are pushing for entries. Um, as I said earlier, we're up to about up to 21 people now. It wasn't 22. I got overexcited. <laughs> um, and li- literally all you have to do is the same as um, with the Twitter questions. Either send us a direct message or a tweet or a message on Facebook just with where you think every one of the 20 Premier League teams will place. Um, the winner will get a 50 or a £51 gift card. 52. Oh, come it's on. Probably, it's probably 50 <laughs> because I think they do it, maybe they do it in like set amounts. I don't know. But uh, a £50 gift card to the club of your choice. Um, it's free to enter as well. You literally have to do nothing. And you guys have obviously now had a bit more information um, about where teams are probably going to place or, or how they're looking. Um, as Oscar said, you know, he's two out of the three of his bottom three have already changed. In the event of a tie, whoever entered earliest will be the winner. It's the first week I've got that you fucking right. You nailed that, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I practiced earlier. Um, and now I fucked myself. Um, yeah, so in the event of a tie, whoever entered the league first will be the winner. And closing date for entries will be the 15th of September. Um, which is what? Why are you laughing at me? You're doing the fucking emojis, aren't you? I knew it. I fucking knew it. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. And now he's got the bleep machine out as well. For God's sake! I made it like four weeks without saying. Uh, oh dear. Yeah, and then after game week five is when we will be posting out the standings for the league um, on a weekly basis. If I figure out the spreadsheet wizardry, I could figure out how to share the file with all you guys who enter so you guys can check it um, whenever I update it, um, which I tend to do every week. And yeah. Cool. That's about it, really. Isn't it? It's free money, isn't it? Free money, isn't it? You don't even have to pay to enter. Next year, 700 quid to enter. <laughs> all right. Well, that about does it for episode 13. So thank you for joining us. Uh, send us your questions for next week. We're going to do a bit of a semi-mailbag episode so we'll go through a lot of listener questions and take more time answering those 
Um, we will update you on the standings in the draft table competition. We'll talk some international break, maybe a bit of FPL since of several of us are on our wild cards. And yeah, so look forward to that in episode 14. But thank you for joining us. So that's going to be goodbye for me. Goodbye from Chuck. Yeah, goodbye. And goodbye. I don't know why I wave every time I do that. <laughs> you know the because we you, don't right? end the. It's not like when when we say goodbye and end the podcast, we all just turn our laptops off. <laughs> so I don't know why I wave. Yeah. Damn my British politeness! <laughs> not something you'd usually hear out of Chuck. No. And uh, goodbye from Stimson. I'm off to the toilet. Wait, 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 Peterborough. Penalties win or not? Oh, I was hoping we'd get through it. No, we lost six. Uh, lost six five. Fuck MK Dons. Fuck them. Fuck Milton Keynes. It's a shithole. <laughs> no one's listening, Milton Keynes, because their internet is so crap they can't get this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See ya.